Welcome to episode 17 of Booty and Bossy Eat, Drink, Net. This is Booty. This is Bossy. We have been on a hiatus because we have been doing a lot of traveling. Well, certain of us, that would be you, gallivanting all over Europe. Yes. Um, while some of us stayed home. <laughs> <laughs> the traveling was wonderful. But we do have some memorials to share because, unfortunately, two of our family members passed away while we were on hiatus. And the first one is Bossy's mother-in-law. I was very blessed in that my mother-in-law, Connie Morrison, was not anything like the typical mother-in-law's. I don't think she had a great relationship with her mother-in-law. And so she decided that she was never going to be like the kind of mother-in-law she had. So she was just wonderful. I adored her. She was a wonderful, what do you call it? Multi-craftivist. But she was first and foremost a knitter and used to knit a sweater for each one of the men in her life. She had six children, two girls and four boys. I am married to the fifth of the six, which I always said was the pick of the litter. (laughs) And she did always agree with me on that, um, (laughs) which was great. And she used to knit a sweater every year for her husband and one for each of her four boys. Her husband was pretty tall. I think he was six foot three. And then her youngest, the baby, was six foot eight or nine. So these were huge sweaters. These were like multiple baby blankets sewn together. She was one of those wonderful organized people that would plan for Christmas all year round. And so she'd start her knitting and she'd be doing one every six weeks or so. So by Christmas... Everyone had a hand-knit sweater, beautifully wrapped under the Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. And I so admired that. I remember going into her room once before Christmas. And by the time I was coming into the family, there were spouses and grandchildren. And she had 14 grandchildren and 12 great-grandchildren. And so that was a lot of people to buy gifts for. And she would have each family sort of pile and all of these really thoughtful, beautifully wrapped gifts before Christmas, which I was just in awe of her because our family, as you know, is known for wrapping Christmas gifts on Christmas morning. Yeah, well, shopping on Christmas Eve, dad was a big proponent of shopping on Christmas Eve. He felt like that was very efficient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You sometimes wind up with some pretty oddball presents that way, but. Well, you often got like a box of chocolates from Batten and Lunger. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the last minute shopping. But in terms of the amount of time spent, it was efficient for him. So Connie was the original Mrs. Weasley knitting sweaters for each other. Except where she didn't have magic needles that would knit on their own I know I honestly don't know how she did it she was just one of those people that could have like I said everything just beautifully wrapped and she always gave these incredibly thoughtful 
presence. Some of my favorite articles of clothing, and I mean, who loves dresses that your mother-in-law picked out. I was just always in awe of her, how she managed to take care of a lot of people in her life. And she also had just impeccable taste. She had beautiful taste in in clothing and in jewelry. She used to pick out things for me that I probably would have never bought for myself, but they were often my favorite. My favorite dress was one that she gave to me that I wore over and over again. So I felt very blessed. I should share that I have this belief. There's a lot of cultures that believe that you get signs from birds. So after somebody passes away, then sometimes you'll get a bird will appear. I had a good friend who, after he died, I had three hawks circle above me when I was walking. So I kind of wondered what would Connie be? And the day after she passed away, I pulled up to campus and we have this duck pond and it's this tradition that's called duck day where every year we get 10 ducks and they are brought onto campus and they're brought down a a red carpet. And all of the kids that are in local elementary schools are invited to come and we have duck shaped cookies and everything. And so duck day is kind of a big deal. But then the rest of the time, they're pretty much ignored and they just poop all over campus. <laughs> but but my office is right behind the duck pond. And the day I pulled up, all 10 of the ducks were lined up right outside the car, which was unusual. They don't usually go there. And when I got out of the car, they started kind of quacking and coming towards me. And I thought, hmm. And everybody that I talked to that day said, did you notice the ducks were up there? So I said, well, I don't have anything for you today, but I'll bring something tomorrow. So the next day I came with this bag of bread. When I pulled up, nine of them were in the pond, which is more typical. And this one was off to the side. And I thought, oh, they're not going to come to me. Well, the minute I got out of the car, the one off to the side starts quacking very loudly. And the nine ducks paddled across the pond, got out and came up and got their treat from me. And then I realized that was Connie. And it was perfect because she was somebody who always had her ducks in a row. Yes. And (laughs) she was really good at corralling other people. She'd be like, all right, we're all going to go. This is the one I told you about. She needs a sign. She's got something for us. Everybody come. <laughs> and, you know, you know, it's a sign when I think you're you're filled with awe and gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that's what that moment made me feel. And then our recipe for today is a recipe from Connie. And when I pulled it out, and we'll take a picture of the recipe card, I didn't even remember this, but on the recipe card, which says it's printed because she had all of her ducks in a row and she had printed recipe cards as opposed to me who writes things on little scraps of post-it notes. But Connie (laughs) had printed cards and at the bottom of her printed recipe card is a duck. So that really made me happy remembering her and makes me very happy to share this recipe. She was a wonderful woman and I obviously didn't know her as well, but my memories of Connie were that she hosted us, all of us for a family Thanksgiving when our parents had selfishly 
moved away and mom, left us. Selfish mom. Oh, yeah. Very selfish, selfish mother. Mom. <laughs> On our own for Thanksgiving, the four of us still lived in Philadelphia. So we were able to get together and Connie invited us to her house. So this was a lot of extra people because she has a, had a large family and then our large family. And she was so kind and it was really thoughtful how she included us. And also she came to my wedding. She mm-hmm. and Bruce, her husband came to our wedding, which was in France. And that was quite a ways to go for a wedding. It was a destination wedding. <laughs> <laughs> and she and Bossy went together on my cookware set, which is the set that I still use today. And I have resisted for the most part buying more pots and pans. Basically, I have that all clad cookware set. No uh, remuneration here, but (laughs) (laughs) it's been great. I think it's one of those things where when you buy the good quality stuff to begin with, you don't have to keep replacing it obviously if you can if you can and it's really nice to have that as a memory both of the wedding and connie and you Mm. every day i use that yeah no wonderful and she just had a very rich full life she was 95 when she passed Mm -hmm. away and then the other person you remember before our last episode, we were remembering Aunt Betty. Well, her husband, our Uncle Harold, passed away probably about six weeks or so after Betty did. Mm-hmm. That was another moment that, well, our cousin Amy, their daughter, had texted me that he'd gone to join Aunt Betty. Then I had told her about my whole thing with birds, and she said, well, I wonder what bird avatar he'll be and at the time I was actually in the car when I got the text but then when I went home and I looked out the window in the backyard I saw these two huge black birds and at first I thought they were buzzards and I thought they wouldn't be buzzards but then when I went out into the backyard and I looked closer, I realized they had white tails and there were two eagles circling in the backyard. And there was a big one and it was doing these graceful circles. And then there was a smaller, younger one that was flying around the big one. And and it was just this moment of, there was just such joy. You just had the sense that these were happy beautiful birds and we we do have eagles i live near a lake and we do have eagles on the lake but they don't generally come up and they don't fly around it in our backyard so that was aunt betty and uncle harold well and actually when bossy came out to visit we had a reenactment of the the visit that was supposed to happen <laughs> in Easter yeah that yeah, was April when... right yeah and so mm-hmm. we, we tried again and it was much <laughs> mom did not fall so that was great that was good and yes. we, we were... wrapped her in pillows and bubble wrap and she didn't fall so <laughs> yeah. yeah our sister kept saying yeah, wrap her in bubble wrap and we we're taking a little hike along the beach in Whidbey Island when two eagles flew right over ahead of us if you if you ever go to Whidbey Island, or if you're in the Pacific Northwest, Deception Pass is just amazingly beautiful. I don't think I've ever gone without seeing eagles there. So 
<laughs> Symbolically, I'm not sure you can claim it, but this was the first time that I'd ever had two eagles that flew right overhead. Well, and I remember that we had been talking about our dad who passed away in 1997. And then I remember we were talking about Aunt Betty as well. And I think that was especially tough for us because to me, Betty was still a tie to dad. Right. I think her loss was especially hard. And I think that's one of the things that when you lose someone, you always go back and it takes you back to other losses in your life. You know, you'll survive it because you survived those other losses, but there's a way that it adds another tick to that list. That's just hard. I remember at that point, we had been talking about them. And then you said, oh, well, you usually see eagles around here. And then it was almost like right away, we saw these two eagles. And I said, you know, oh, well, there's dad and Aunt Betty. Right. Um, Our Uncle Harold was a big, big fan of jokes. He loved to tell jokes. The longer, the better. Let's say bad jokes. (laughs) (laughs) So in honor of Harold, we have what we think of as the Harold joke, which is big joke. Yeah. I think we should spare our listeners other jokes and just let's just have one representative (laughs) joke. Well, the penguin joke is short. Yeah, but nobody's going to get it. Okay. Nobody's going to get it. (laughs) And the penguin joke's a bird. Oh. (laughs) Oh, right. Fine. Do the pig. Okay. So there is this pig and it only has three legs. And this visitor to the farm is looking at the pig and the farmer is saying, that is the most amazing pig ever. There was a time that Johnny fell down the well and the pig came and he got a, got us and, and told us, you know, Johnny's, Johnny's in trouble. So, and he led us to the well. So we were able to rescue Johnny out of the well and there was a fire in the barn and the pig gathered up all the animals. <laughs> and so you can tell this kind of joke is the kind where you can make up many, many, many stories that the pig yes. did to oh, rescue this... all the people. Yes. And animals or whatever. So finally the visitor to the farm says, well, how did he lose his leg? And the farmer says, well, we're trying to eat him slowly. So we're only cutting off one leg at a time. It's really terrible. It's terrible. We did love Harold's jokes and he was always fun to be around and he, he always had a great sense of humor. We'll miss yes. Harold. And I have especially fond memories of him when my son and I went out to, when my son was about six and we went out to visit them and we took a trip up to South Dakota my son wanted to climb up all these rocks and Harold would always be the one to say, okay, well here, I think if you go up this way and then I'll, I'll, I'll hold you here. And then, you know, and I was like, I, you, you can't climb up that rock. It's too sleep, you know? And, um, and Harold would always, you know, and he'd be up there helping him and everything. And he was 80 something when he, he was doing right. this, but he but he was he was going to help him rock climb and then when we were looking for hotels we stayed at the wrangler inn 
I had said, well, I don't really care what kind of hotel we stay in, but if it has a pool, we will all be happier because my son will swim in the pool and then that will release some energy. And Harold said, well, I'm bringing my swim trunks then. And Harold would get in all of these pools that were just, <laughs> I mean, who goes swimming in South Dakota, you know, Mobridge, I mean, in a pool at the Wrangler Inn. And my son's going swimming down to the bottom and saying, mom, I found six band-aids down there. And something else. I'm not sure what it is. And I'm like, don't touch it. Don't touch it. And, and Harold would be like, oh, well, show me. You know, they go down together. <laughs> and it was just, I mean, he, even in his 80s, he was still taking a kind of joy in life and in never missing an opportunity for adventure, even when it was looking at dead band-aids in the bottom of the pool at the Wrangler Inn in Mobridge, South Dakota. That is that is just the best. That is just the best. We we recently had a house guest and and he had exactly that attitude. We wound up because of circumstances, we wound up at this soap store lush so it's it's a soap story lots of nice smells mm-hmm. and he was just he, he was like oh i really like these they had barbie bath bombs they had like the bee logo it's oh. like ooh, he bought himself a bath bomb to use that <laughs> night <laughs> i just love that i think that's yeah the best to Hey, wherever I am, I could be in a really wonderful place like Deception Past, and that's all inspiring. I'll also be at a soap store in the mall. Yeah. No, it's just that ability to just embrace the moment. That's just what I love remembering about Uncle Harold. And I think we all need those signs that we're still connected somehow. I was reminded of a poem by, he was a medieval philosopher, Yehuda Halevi. I think he was Spanish. And oddly, this was a poem that was read it. If you watch the series Godless, it was a little mini series about a town in Arizona that basically it was a mining town at the turn of the 20th century, late 19th century, where the men had gone in and all been killed in a mining accident. And the women took over and basically ran the town, which did happen sometimes out west. But at the end of the series, this minister that they've been waiting for comes in and he says this. He does not attribute it to the 13th century Jewish-Spanish philosopher Yehuda Halevi, but it's called, the translation is, Tis a Fearful Thing. Tis a fearful thing to love what death can touch. A fearful thing to love, to hope, to dream, to be. To be and, oh, to lose. A thing for fools, this, a holy thing, a holy thing to love. For your life has lived in me. Your laugh once lifted me. Your word was gift to me. To remember this brings painful joy. Tis a human thing, love, a holy thing to love what death has touched. I'd like to leave with that memory because they were certainly two people 
whose life lived in me and their laughs certainly lifted me and their words were gift to me. Mm -hmm. And to remember them does bring joy, but it's the pain of loss too, of that joy. Yeah. And that's kind of what grief is. Yeah. Well, and I'm very grateful to share these stories with you and with, well, mom. Mom. Hi, mom. Hi, mom. Maybe, maybe Amy, Melissa. Our brother has not listened to our podcast. Oh, well, we should talk about him then since he doesn't even listen. And by the way, I was thinking of your story of the soap shop, and I hope you're listening to this, Biko, our brother, because I remember going into a soap shop with him once, and he stood at the doorway and said, uh, this is not a store for me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yes. Well, we should go on to our recipe, which yes. in honor of Connie, yes, this was a famous recipe that she made a lot. It's a baked zucchini casserole. And I think it does meet all of our criteria. Well, okay. So zucchini season, everybody who gardens, so that's not me, but has tons of me. I actually went to a knitting group a couple of weeks ago and they were all gardeners. So they had tomatoes they had their freezer jam it was like score send mm. it to me but anyway <laughs> we do not have the abundant zucchini that you have mm. daughter had to go to several different stores to get enough zucchini for this oh recipe. my god i know so it takes eight to ten zucchinis well i think those are the smaller that's when you're supposed to pick them <laughs> not <laughs> <laughs> the giant baseball bats that it's, I get. I feel like people are looking for recipes to use up their zucchini. Zucchini bread will be maybe one or two zucchini, not yeah. much. And this one, you can use up your zucchini. I'll read the ingredients. So it's eight to 10 zucchini. If they're the smaller ones, you know, a couple tablespoons of oil about a cup of chopped onions, two thirds cup she has. She has a quarter pound of mushrooms. I usually just buy a package and use that. Two thirds cup Parmesan cheese, a third of it you mix in and then you sprinkle the other third on top. And then two six ounce cans of tomato paste and a teaspoon of salt and some garlic. She has a clove, I usually put in more. She's an eighth of a teaspoon of pepper. I usually put in more pepper than that. But basically, you saute the zucchini in the olive oil with the onions and the mushrooms. I actually usually saute it on high heat in batches. Mm. And then once you've got it all done, then you add the two cans of tomato paste and the salt and pepper. I usually put the garlic in at the end, too. And then you bake it at 350 for 20 to 30 minutes until the cheese gets nice and bubbly but it's really tasty amazing what the tomato paste does it, it makes it almost sweet and it's the perfect because when the zucchini cook they were releasing a lot of water zucchini flavored water <laughs> and that mixes with the tomato paste it makes a really nice saucy but not too saucy casserole. And when I cut the zucchini, I cut it in pretty large chunks. What I liked about that was that it meant that 
at the end, they were still had it still had a nice bite. Not, not mushy. Too, yeah, not too mushy, not overcooked, and really just had that fresh flavor that yeah so good. it has a the whole fall late summer yeah it does it's sort of this nice harvest dish and it, it's got the sort of nice late summer flavor in a pot it makes a nice side dish with roasted chicken or something like that but we've also just made it and then with the nice loaf of bread you just almost use it like a bruschetta on that can be really good too actually it'd probably be really good if you just like toasted bread and then toasted it again mm. on like an open face yeah i mean so super versatile i was thinking with polenta chicken whatever great and especially when you get tired of we eat a lot of salads so you get tired of having the same vegetables over and over and over again so it's really nice to have something this was actually a recipe that my son was a pretty picky eater when he was young. And this was one of the few vegetable dishes that I could get him to eat. He always loved this. She used to make it. She would make a couple of big batches and she would freeze it. So she'd do all the prep right up until when you were supposed to bake it. And then she would freeze it. And then she'd just get it out and thaw it and then do the final baking it always tasted great. Sometimes you taste things and you think, okay, was that in the freezer? Mm. <laughs> Tastes like it was in the freezer. Yeah. <laughs> but this was always great. Like I said, she, she had her ducks in a row, you know, she would bake something and then she'd save some of it. And she always was ready. So yeah. that's our recipe. If you have a favorite zucchini recipe, send it to us. We'd love to hear that. And well, and we should say that this is our two-parter because yes. in the next episode, we've got another summer veg dish we're yes. going to talk about, too. Yes. But yes, right. we welcome all zucchini and veg recipes. Ways to use things from your garden. <laughs> um, so when we were in Whitby Island, we finally got to go. <laughs> To Skane and Tipple, which was the yarn shop during the day. So it's a yarn shop from 12 until 4. And then mm. they close for an hour. And then they reopen at 5 o'clock as a speakeasy type cocktail lounge. <laughs> I mean, what a great concept, first of all. I mean, if I could have a bit, I think I, this would be like a business that I would want a yarn shop, and then a bar. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So we got there. Unfortunately, we got there at four. So the yarn shop had closed. <laughs> but Well, we, we should say that that was because we had to stop for ice cream. <laughs> yes, we, did. we failed to manage our time well. And also, Booty, I remember you, you kept saying that it, it wasn't that far. <laughs> What it looked like on the GPS, it wasn't that far, but then it kept getting further. I don't know why, but so yeah, had we not stopped for ice cream, which no regrets because that no regrets about that because it was really good ice cream. And I remember we got there literally at 405, they had just <laughs> <It's> closed, <laughs> and so we had to, an hour 
to spend it. What is the name of the town? We should say that. Oh, Clinton. Um, in Clinton on Whidbey Island in Washington. Yeah. And they had this thrift shop across right. the street. What was it called? Secondhand Booty. Secondhand Booty. And so we went in there and <laughs> they had this section. If any of you are wondering, where's your stash going to go when you die? It's going to go to Secondhand Booty in the back right corner with all of the bad craft projects and special tools that you needed to do it's all at secondhand booty and it, it doesn't smell great either that's the other thing <laughs> i did find some fabric but i have to say the yarn selections i really liked stephanie pearl mcphee wrote about how when she had no money she was going into goodwill and and things and, and not finding very much yarn so when she dies, she wanted to leave some of her stash to Goodwill for somebody to go in and be like, oh, oh my God, God. what is this? <laughs> Hand died, you know, <laughs> because that feeling of, oh, I guess I could unravel this, whatever, mm. the gap or, but right. yeah, this was not great selection. So <laughs> we were really hoping that was not going to be our yarn store. <laughs> But when we went back at five for the cocktail lounge, there was a line. Yeah, we barely got in. So, yeah. I mean, this is how bad we are. It, not only did we not make it by four, but we didn't know that we should have just stood there because then we'd be in the first in line. Because by the time we got back from secondhand booty, we were the last in line. <laughs> <laughs> and they actually, they were so kind they made a table for us. They have this little stage and they made a table for two. Because they have um, live music. Yes. Yeah. And they said, well, as long as you get out before the live music, you can stay here. And and actually they, they said, oh, if we could have moved to another table and stayed longer. But at that point, we had two amazing cocktails. Yes. What was the one that you had, Booty? Mine was called Paper Plane. And it says it's the modern classic invented by Sam Ross at the Violet Hour in Chicago and named after the MIA song. Equal mm. parts bourbon, Aperol, Amaro, Nonino, and fresh lemon juice. A master class in balance. And it was. And I had La Penicillina which is like the penicillin or like the medicine. It had tequila, a house-made honey ginger syrup. That was the thing that I think sold me on it. Fresh lemon juice and a mezcal float topped with a sprinkle of chili lime salt. And they had big ice cubes. They were not ice globes, ice but they big ice cubes. That That is not what you had. You're looking at the wrong thing. You had... The penicillin. It has scotch. Yours was scotch. Uh, wait. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the recipe. The thing no, right you're now. looking at the one. There's two. See, it's like mine. Oh. Like aviation and there's paper play. Because <laughs> I know oh. yours definitely had scotch. It wasn't tequila. Okay. Yes. But it does have the honey ginger syrup. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Mine had scotch because I remember we had that conversation about, did yeah. we want the scotch yeah it was really good yeah and they had the big ice cubes which as you know 
big fan of the big ice cubes. Yeah. So yes. next time we'll get the pen raw penicillin. And they actually the host or hostess, I guess, was so nice because she actually let us buy some yarn, even though the yarn store wasn't open. So <laughs> I bought because <laughs> I think she felt sorry for us at how challenged <laughs> we were by their time frame. But I bought three skeins of salt and color hand-dyed yarn, the fingering, also known as fingerling, the fingering merino. And it's a beautiful, it's hard to describe the color. I'll take a picture of it, but it's it's got purple, but also some little flecks of gold and brown too. Mm. It's very cool. It was very unusual. I hadn't seen it before. And that always gets me very excited. If I If there's something I haven't seen before that I can't buy at America's Yarn Store, Right. Then I'm all over it. And it was very nice of them to open up the yarn store. And I bought a couple of skeins of alpaca silk lace. Turns out that that was a good thing. My plan is to hold this with some linen yarn that my sister-in-law sent me because I knit the lemon spritz, the Marie Green four-day knit along. So I knit it. Came out beautifully. I didn't even wear it. I thought I can spin this in my washing machine. That's a new washer, and it felted it. (laughs) So now it's my daughter's lemon spritz. It looks really good. It's kind of a win for her. It is kind of a win for her. I did put on the little leaf, the little lemon leaves on backwards. So they're underneath instead of on top. But I think that's okay. I made three quarter length sleeves. Had I made the shorter sleeves, I think it would have been an issue, but they would have looked like skin tags. (laughs) (laughs) This is not the look. You don't really want dangly things under your armpits. (laughs) (laughs) Because I had felted it, I couldn't really, it would have been kind of a pain to redo that part. So it is staying that way. And it does look really good on her. She's worn it several times. Good. Yeah, it's a nice light. Well, because I know there were moments in her earlier life where she was the ungrateful child (laughs) refusing to wear hand-knit wear because it was scratchy. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's pretty, I think I got better at knitting, got nicer yarn, and that's pretty much mostly what she wears and also because what my daughter usually gets are the things that I've outgrown Mm. I made her a sweater for her birthday which is a green sorrel and this is something that was really fun to make first of all the yarn I bought recently at a flock fiber festival which will be we'll talk about on another episode but it's three skeins and you actually really only need like two and a little bit if I was making this smaller, a smaller size. So it's really gratifying to make mm. a sweater out of a couple of skeins yes. of yarn. And you can get really nice yarn if you're only buying two two or three skeins. Were they like 100 gram skeins? Or? Yeah, they're 100 gram skeins and that's DK weight. Okay. So I bought this in gray, gray drizzle fiber. They are local 
and they did a Zoom session with another yarn dyer, which I thought was really generous of that yarn dyer, yeah. um, Serial Knitters. She sort of hosted her so we could see how she was dyeing this yarn. And I bought a couple skeins of it. It's called Corvid and it, it looks black. Yeah, yeah, it looks but, black. But there's these really, I'll take a picture of it and put it in the show notes. There's some really beautiful blues in here. So yeah, this is one of those, I still have it. And, and I just think about, oh, I need to make something really yeah nice with that what what weight is it the corvid is a fingering 440 yards uh 100 superwash merino oh nice oh it's and it's 110 grams so it's gonna get a little bit more mm, nice what color is the sweater that you so the one uh, so my daughter when she was little was a big fan of uh wizard of Oz. Hmm. and for the Halloween when she was four, she went as the Wicked Witch, not Glinda, because the Wicked mm. Witch has a lot of power. Yes. <laughs> so this is emerald green. And this is where I think it's so nice to shop in person because I'm not sure. Yeah. Cameras are really hard to, it's really hard to get a good picture of green yarn i'm not sure why that is but when i was knitting it several people said oh wow that green is just so gorgeous it's got that nice tonal quality that hand dyed yarns have so mm. that makes it yeah and the pattern is really fun it's one of those top down it's top down cropped with short sleeves mm. so that's where you get your two and a half skeins yeah. So and that's the kind of thing that an 18 year old can wear with yes. confidence. Yes. <laughs> with um, confidence. <laughs> and it's also a smaller size. So that makes it really fast. But, yes. but it's a very size inclusive pattern and the models they have look great and they're not small sizes. Mm. So it is. Yeah, it, we'll definitely have to put that. Yeah, no. there's there's also there's a summer one. There's a whole series of Well, I'm continuing on not another bunny. I seem to be stuck in the the land of knitted toys. <laughs> well, and I'm working on a a raccoon for my I don't know what he would be. He's the he's the son of my niece. So, what would I'm not sure what that would make him, but he's six and he has his spirit animal is a raccoon. And so the Louise Crowther had pattern for a raccoon. And I think I'm going to, I, I kind of showed it to him a little bit and he, he liked the bandana. So I'm going to make the one you can kind of mix and match the clothes there. There are so many cute outfits for those little animals but one thing I did learn now on my fourth knitted animal because I did two bunnies hedgehog and now the raccoon is that it really does pay to follow the directions <laughs> and it only took me four times because I would do this in a, before where I would knit all the pieces mm. and then putting them together was kind of overwhelming and you'd have like all these ends and especially mm. the raccoons got multiple colors and things like that 
So this time I decided to do what they said to do, which is to finish a part at a time. So I did the head and stuffed that and then added the ears and then did the body. And it that is the way to do it because you're just not overwhelmed with all these pieces of dismembered animals um, <laughs> that you, <laughs> you know put together and weave in all those ends. You know how yeah. I hate weaving in the ends. So I'm hoping to finish up the raccoon pretty soon and then I can do something with the the Whidbey Island yarn booty found a good poncho pattern as you know I'm very fond of ponchos or serapes I'm hoping to do that and pick up with that I think that's about it for episode 17 of, <laughs> of memories and memorial to our beloved Yes. Family members and an excellent recipe for the summer. Definitely um, try that. Yeah. And definitely go to Skane and Tipple if they're on Whidbey Island. I, I would say get there at three so you can shop for an hour, then go over to Secondhand Booty, but come <laughs> back. So that you're first in line. Yeah, that would be that would be our advice for that adventure. But it's definitely an adventure worth having. I think um, it was on a Friday. So that might have been part of it. Yeah. And go over Deception Pass and say hi to the Eagles. And whatever you do, don't, don't knit like, like my sister. sister. Thanks for listening. You can find uh, the show notes at bootyandbossy.com. That's B-O-O-T-I-E-A-N-D-B-O-S-S-Y. Because we didn't know what we were doing. So <laughs> we made our website something hard to spell. <laughs> oh, well. Bye. 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 Bye.